Hi, welcome back to Mystery Monday. Today we're going to be talking about the Madeleine McCann case. First, let's go over the timeline of the event. Madeleine McCann was a three-year-old girl who went on holiday to Portugal with her family. The McCanns were from Leicester in the UK and they went on holiday with their three-year-old Madeleine and her two younger twin siblings, Sean and Emily. They also went with some of their friends who, who would come to be known as the Tappers Seven. They were both practicing doctors back home in the UK and most of their friends who came to Portugal with them were also doctors and they brought their children as well. The family arrived in Praia de Lu, Portugal on April the 28th for their seven-night holiday. The place they stayed at wasn't exactly a resort. It was more of an apartment complex next to the restaurant and the pool. They spent a lot of time at the Ocean Club, which has a kids' club, and Kate and Jerry took tennis lessons. Um, during their stay in Portugal, the McCanns and their friends had developed um, a sort of routine where they would put their kids to bed and then go and dine out at the Tapper's restaurant. And every 20 to 30 minutes, they would go on check on their children. On their fifth day, which was a Thursday, May the 3rd, uh, that morning, Jerry and Kate recall Madeline saying to them that she and Sean had cried for them in the night and no one had come for them. Then they went and dropped their kids to the kids' club at around 10 a.m. At 12.30, Jerry and, Jerry and Kate picked their kids up from the kids' club and they went and had lunch. Then they all went down to the pool for a few hours. At 3.30 p.m., Jerry and Kate took their kids back to the kids' club and went off and had another tennis lesson. At 6pm, Kate collected the kids from the kids' club and brought them back to the apartment to start getting ready for bed. They put their kids to bed and got ready themselves for dinner, and by 8.30pm, they had left the apartment for the tapas bar, which was on the other side of the complex. Uh, every evening, the McCanns and their friends would meet at this tapas bar for dinner and all of them would leave their children unattended. Uh, I think this is really strange and pretty irresponsible to leave your very young children in a foreign country alone in an unlocked apartment. Um, and we have to remember that this, this apartment wasn't in, you know, some gated resort. It was literally right on in the street. Anyone could be out there, you know, tourists, people just, anyone could have been, you know. So the McCanns and their friends were also very clear on why they needed the specific table every night. And it was because, you know, they could see their apartment from the table and their sleeping children were there. So this was, you know, common knowledge amongst the staff. You know, everyone knew this and it wouldn't be hard to find out this information if you wanted to. The McCanns were very vocal and almost defensive about this, saying that it felt very safe, almost like dining out in your backyard, which, you know, it wasn't. It was a, a, like a five to seven minute walk from their table to the apartment, especially if you didn't go through the pool and you went out, you know, you took a right and went out onto the road and then round up to the apartment. At 9.05 p.m., Jerry goes back to check on the kids he goes in through the unlocked sliding glass door and checks on the children and all three are sleeping soundly. But he did say that he thought that the door to the bedroom was open a little bit more than they left it because they would usually leave it open just a crack so that the light could come in, you know, to the children's bedroom. Um, on Jerry's way back, he sees a friend 
that he had met while on vacation. His name is Jeremy Wilkins. And they stop and have a chat with him. And at around 9.10pm, Jane Tanner, one of the Tapper Seven, uh, was going to check on her children. And she claims that she passed the two men, but they don't recall ever seeing her, which is pretty strange. As it was, you know, just on a street at night. I feel like you would just see her. But anyway, it doesn't matter. As she walked up the street, she saw a man cross the street in front of her carrying a small blonde child. Uh, she remembers distinctly that the child doesn't have any socks or shoes on, which I find funny because, I mean, she's going to check on her unattended young children and, you know, she's judging someone else's parenting skills saying, oh, that kid doesn't have any socks or shoes on and it's cold outside. Um, this is a significant sighting and it becomes known as the Tanner sighting. She says he looked like a local, um, he had dark hair and tan skin. At 9.30pm, it was supposed to be Kate's turn to go and check on her children, but Matthew and Russell, um, two men from the Tapper Seven, were going to check on their children at the same time. So Matthew Oldfield went and said he would check on Madeline and the twins. He claims he went into the McCann's apartment and peeked into the room and says he saw Sean and Emily, but he doesn't recall seeing Madeline. Uh, and then at 10 p.m., Kate goes to check on her children. She goes in through the unlocked door and, and recalls, as Jerry did, that the bedroom door was left slightly more open than they usually left it. She claims that a wind came in from the bedroom and it slammed the door shut. She says she was surprised because they left all the windows closed and locked. She then enters the room to find that Madeline is missing. She then leaves her two children into the apartment, runs back to the bar and tells everyone that Madeline's been taken and says they've taken her. They then call the police and the investigation begins. All right, now that we have gone over the timeline of the event, we are going to talk about the possible theories and which one I think is most possible. Okay, so the officially accepted theory is that Madeline was abducted from the apartment and was taken. Uh, where? Well, we don't really know. This theory is possible. Someone could have spotted her while they were holidaying and had you know targeted her and it wouldn't be very hard to find out that the children were left alone in the apartment at night they could have you know paid someone on the resort staff um paid them off to get that information uh it wouldn't be very hard this is the narrative that the McCanns have stuck to throughout the whole investigation and they're very unwilling to uh, accept any other ideas other than, you know, the kin the kidnapping story. Uh, if this was possible, I think that they wouldn't have gone in through the window, um, as the McCanns say. I think that they would have gone in through the unlocked apartment door. Um, I think that... Uh, it would be very unlikely that no one would see them. You know, it's a busy tourist destination, a lot of people around. Um, yeah. Um, there's also the possibility that Madeline 
was sold into some kind of sex slavery, which is, oh, you know, it's horrendous to think about. Um, but it is a possibility there are, you know, organizations around the world like that, um, which is just horrible to think about. And um, there's a possibility that, that she could have been, you know, shipped down to Africa that night. You know, that's why they never found her or anything. Um, the, um, the most likely theory is that the McCanns has something to do with Madeline's disappearance. Uh, there are many holes in the McCann's story. First, we will talk about the McCann's insistence that the kidnapper came in through the window as Kate claims. She claims that the window was open when she discovered Madeline was missing. Um, as you know, remember when she went in, she claims that the gust of wind came in through the from the bedroom and slammed the door shut. And you know, they insisted that they locked all the windows. Um, the problem I have first off of that is why would a potential predator come in through the locked window as she claims instead of the unlocked sliding door which they left open? Uh, that seems very weird. And also when the McCanns told the Portuguese police, you know, they thought, you know, that someone had come through the window um, and they further investigated it, they found that the window had not been tampered with at all and that the only fingerprints on the window and shutters were Kate McCann's and also that the, that the um, shutters couldn't be opened from the outside. So when the McCanns realised this window story wasn't going to cut it, they changed their story and said that, oh, yes, we did leave, you know, the door unlocked in case of a fire. Because, of course, um, if there's a fire, three-year-olds and two-year-olds are going to know to get out of the apartment in case of a fire. Uh, that is just weird to me. And they changed their story a lot while, you know, after they figured that she was missing, they called, you know, their family back home and they just, they changed their story a lot. They were inconsistent with their story and we'll go into this a bit deeper later on. Next now we're going to talk about the police dogs. Um, so the police dogs' names were Eddie and Keela. They were highly sought after police dogs sent from the UK to Portugal. So they were actually sent to the UK. You know, the McCanns couldn't say, oh, they were just Portuguese dogs, you know, silly ones. They were highly trained. Um, some of them could go, you know, 700 to 800, you know, pounds an hour they could charge for their services because that's how, you know, significant they could be in a case because they're just, you know, really highly trained. So Eddie was a a cadaver dog and they are trained to sense decomposing flesh. So they can smell dead bodies even if the body has been moved and they can smell it for, you know, a long period of time afterwards. And Keela was the blood sniffing dog and she could smell blood even if the blood had been removed or washed away. Eddie, the uh, decomposing flesh and dead body smelling dog, alerted to an area in Kate and Jerry's bedroom. He also alerted to Maddie's stuffed toy, which was her cuddle cat and it was her favorite toy. And he also alerted to behind the couch in the living room. Eddie also alerted to Madeline's t-shirt and a pair of Kate McCann's pants and a shirt of hers. 
Kayla, as you will remember, is the blood-sniffing dog, and she alerted to behind the couch, the same as Eddie, and a few days later, Eddie and Kayla both alerted to the McCann's rental car. Um, so now the police did kind of swabs from the car and the apartment, and it was confirmed that it was Madeline McCann. Um, so the McCanns say that it was the twins got one of the twins got a nosebleed and that's the blood that the dog is smelling and that could possibly match with Madeline because you know they're siblings so I mean take from that what you you know believe what you will from that um the sniffer dogs also searched five other houses of people that were suspects and the dogs only alerted to the McCann's apartment I think that's really important and significant because I believe dogs have no reason to lie you know they're not like humans they're not like us they don't you know we have our own agendas our own biases and you know we lie dogs are just doing their job I think you know they can't be bribed they have no reason to lie or anything like that and I just feel like you can, I feel like you can trust dogs more than humans in an investigation like that. Uh, Also, something else, which I, it's not evidence, but um, there is the Madeline McCann Trust, which is kind of just like donations, just from a lot of, you know, just all people who feel strongly about finding her. And the, McCann, the money goes straight to the McCann, so they kind of, you know, they choose where that money goes to, and they use some of that money to pay off their mortgage on their house. Um, you know, I feel like that's just really weird. I feel like that's really, I don't know. I just find that weird. I, I think, I think if you're a parent, you'd want to be using all of that money going towards finding your missing daughter. You know what I mean? Um. Yeah, so that's not exactly evidence, but I feel like that's just something that's important. Um, after the sniffer dog smelt blood in the McCann's apartment, Kate and Jerry were named Aguidos, which basically uh, in Portuguese, it just means like a person of interest. So Kate was born in for questioning and she refused to answer 48 of the 49 questions that they asked her. So some of these questions included, why did you say Madeline had been abducted? Why did you leave the twins in the apartment? Did Madeline Lee take any medication? And so on and so forth. And Kate McCann refused to answer 48 of those 49 questions, which I find insane. Like, I just don't see how you could, if your daughter was missing, you know, you'd answer every question. You'd go after every lead. You'd do everything in your power to, like, no matter the significance of the detail, you'd try and investigate and just try and figure out what happened to it, you know? Um, they wouldn't accept any new stories or anything that they stuck to the kidnapper story, and they still do, um, which I just think that's crazy. I believe that the theory that Madeline died that night in the apartment, possibly from an accident, um, actually most likely from an accident and her parents found that she had died when they came back to check on her then because they didn't want to get in trouble they covered it up 
this is why they were never open to any other theories or would refuse to answer questions. Uh, most likely, Madeline maybe uh, woke up and hit her head, which would explain why the sniffer dog, Keela, alerted to blood. Uh, or another possibility is that Madeline was drugged because um, there is a theory that the McCanns drugged their children to keep them quiet while they dined out. Evidence to support this theory is that the McCanns were doctors so they could have access to drugs or medicine. Uh, also that the twins, Sean and Emily, the younger twins, slept through everything, through the alleged door slamming when Kate discovered a Madeline missing, through everyone walking through the apartment, you know, looking for Madeline, for their friends, the police, everyone calling out for her, looking for her. And so they slept through all of this and also the fact that the morning before she went missing, they Madeline had said that, you know, um, I cried, me and Sean were crying and you didn't come for us. Uh, another reason to believe that the McCanns had something to do with the case is that, uh, you know, if you truly believed your daughter had been kidnapped, why would you leave your other children in the apartment alone? Uh, you know, this baffles me because weren't there cell phones or anything she could have used to alert the others? Uh, it just seems weird and just, just like weird stuff. I feel like I understand, you know, when something crazy happens, you just react like whatever, you know. I just feel like that's weird and I feel like you'd be like worried about the safety of your other two children if, you know, you have no idea if this alleged kidnapper is still, you know, on the premises or anything like that. Um, now, if Madeline did die in the apartment, I believe it was from an accident. I do not think that her parents are killers. I do not think that they're the type of the parents who would want you know, I think that they're the type of parents who wanted to have children and have a social life as well. And I think they they possibly could have drugged Madeline and the twins, you know, just to get them to sleep. And I think they probably thought that they were doing the best thing for them. I also think that if they had, if they discovered that Madeline had died uh, on their watch, well, no, not even on their watch as they were dining out, you know, child neglect. I, you know, they would lose their jobs, their medical license, their other two children, and they could possibly go to jail, especially if it was found that she had been drugged. And I think that they probably just thought, you know, well, they could have even, you know, um, you know, said, well, you know, this has happened, but we need to look after our other two children in that unit now, you know, we don't want them to be taking off us. And, you know, that would be very tr bad, you know. So, yeah, I think that. Now we're going to talk about the significance of this case in New Zealand. The Malon McCann case touched the hearts of many people, especially parents. The case was significant to New Zealand because it impacted the ideas of parenting. It was kind of almost like 9-11, you know, what 9-11 was to air travel. It just, it made people think twice about leaving their children alone. And it is arguably the most well-known missing persons case in the world with, you know, the most high level of media coverage. People's lives were affected at the time, obviously. All of Madeline's family, no matter what your opinion of them and 
if you think they're guilty or not, they were still deeply affected by the by this event. I would say that people's lives are still being affected today as there are still lawsuits currently going on involving Madeline's investigation funding and an ex-Portuguese investigator who is suing the McCanns. The event still affects society today because I think that it has scared parents into a more helicopter style of parenting. Obviously not just this singular event by itself, but this amongst many other cases of missing children, all as a collective. Think about it. Our grandparents' lives were so much different than ours. My grandma used to tell me stories of how her and her seven younger siblings would walk to school and it taking, you know, 30 minutes or so. And then she moved to Christchurch when she was 15 and her dad dropped her off with 20 pounds to get some board and, you know, that was it. Kids used to be just left kind of to themselves, their own devices. And, you know, in our modern day, that is virtually unheard of, in our society at least. I think all of these missing child cases have definitely shifted our society into being more aware of at least thinking the world is a more dangerous place. People are more aware of, you know, rapists, murderers, pedophiles, and I believe it's because of these terrifying missing child cases like these that scare us and shock us. And obviously the media coverage has a big part to do with it now. As we see all these terrifying cases on the TV, radio, and our social medias. The media coverage of this case was insane. A missing persons case has never been so heavily covered, I don't believe, ever. I think it was because of the situation where a lot of the Western world could relate to the event and because the family was just so normal. Also in the pictures of Madeline, she just looked so sweet and cute and I think those pictures stuck in a lot of people's minds and struck a chord with a lot of people. The media may have even played a part in Madeline's fate as they released the information that Madeline had the eye defect, which was a bit of brown in her pupil, which the police were strongly against because they said, you know, if the captors found out about this, they could potentially kill her because her eye defect is what made her recognisable. Also, we have the idea that justice differs in different countries, which is important. There was a lot of tension between the Portuguese police and the Metropolitan Police, you know, from Scotland Yard. Um, Just, I feel like the British police kind of saw themselves as superior to uh, that of the Portuguese police. And also there was a lot of tension because um, the McCanns um, in the media constantly uh, kind of, you know, put the Portuguese police down and said they were just like, you know, they didn't know what they were doing, especially when they were made persons of interest. They said, you know, the Portuguese police don't know what they're doing, they don't know how to handle the investigation. And then, so there's a lot of tension between the two police forces from different countries because obviously they would have, I mean, there's a language barrier, obviously, and then also just kind of like how they carry out investigations um, differed and then... I mean, they had the same common goal, they just didn't have this, the same ideas about how to go about it. And that is horrible, you know, and it could have been possibly detrimental to the case, you know, finding Madeline, but yeah. So there was a lot of tension between the two countries and how to carry out the investigation. All right, we've come to the end of this week's podcast. I would like to just kind of conclude with my final thoughts on the case and just what I think. 
So I believe that Madeleine McCann, I think that she did die in the, that apartment. I believe her parents know more than they're leading on and or covered up her death. If her parents really are innocent, then the knowledge that their irresponsible parenting was integral in her kidnapping and or disappearance should be punishment enough. Even if Madeline was kidnapped, her parents were still responsible and they should never have left their child in that apartment by themselves. And good people who understand when they make a mistake would say sorry and admit their mistakes. Instead, the McCanns in their interviews always come across as defensive, cold and on the attack. Um, I feel like if they know Madeline is dead, then it would almost make their behaviour more kind of make sense because I feel like as a parent, even though it sounds really, really horrible to say this, I feel like knowing that your child is dead in this situation would is almost better than the unknown, like not knowing what's happening, what not knowing what's going on. And I just feel like you wouldn't be able to arrest because, you know, at any moment something horrible could be happening to your child and you'd have no idea. But, I mean, if the McCanns know that she is dead and have that kind of, I don't know, almost closure, then it would kind of make sense that they, you know, they act the way they do and feel like they can move on with their lives. I think it's important that we keep talking about Madeline and her case in case she is still out there. I'm pretty sure that last year there was something like 1,500 alleged sightings of Madeline, which just goes to show that people still remember her, they still remember her case, and they are looking for her. We have no idea what really happened to Madeline and where she is, and that is the mystery. But I hope that whatever happened to her wasn't terrible. I hope that she is at peace, or I hope that maybe a family somewhere took her in and I hope that one day we finally find out what happened to her and that there is justice. All right. Thank you for listening. Bye.